Hello everyone, hope your day is going well. It is Wednesday, April 6th, and um, we're going to take a look at the class that took part. we took part in in midweek um, last week on March 30th. The passage we looked at was 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. Pretty big chunk of scripture there, but it's an important one, very, very important one, um, that, that, that has a lot to deal with, um, with how we do church still today. And by church, I don't mean coming to a building um, on the first day of the week, I'm talking about coming as a body together. Remember, the church is is, is a collection of people, not, not a building or a, or a location or anything along those lines. Um, so, I'm going to give you an opportunity to read that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. Just press pause on your on your player there um, and um, and read that, and we'll we'll dig into it. Okay, hopefully you had a time, uh, had some time to read that passage of Scripture, and you can see why it's so important. This has everything to do with the Lord's Supper, which is just another term for um, for what we practice on on Sundays in in communion. Um, as we've said many many times, it's probably the most important thing that we do, not just on a Sunday morning, but um, the most important thing we do in the week. And we're going to dig in and see why that is so. Um, Again, when you, when you see this terminology, the Lord's Supper, it's referring to communion. It's referring to what Christ initiated um, with his closest disciples, his followers, um, the night before his death on the cross. And uh, and Paul's going to, this is probably, um, I would say, the most well-known, besides the passages in the Gospels about Jesus actually instituting this, this is probably the most well-known um, scripture in the New Testament when referring to communion and how we go about doing communion. So, first of all, in verse 20 there, it says, Paul said, he writes, Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What I don't want you to misunderstand there is Paul is not telling them to abandon and communion when they come together um, to uh, to collectively uh, I hate using this terminology but do church together um, that's kind of the way we we see it to come together he says he's not telling to abandon it he's just saying it could not be practiced in a in the right way in the atmosphere that was taking place when they came together as a body and in verses 21 and 22 he gets into the why what is he i mean he is upset with them okay um and the reason that he is um now now obviously church for them looked a little different than for most of us today church for the most part took place within homes and when they came together as a larger group um it seems like they came into the house of one particular man we get a hint about this in romans 16 verse 23 um paul wrote his letter to the roman church while he was at corinth and he brought up a man who was named gaius and he said this the gaius who not only hosts me but hosts the entire church so what that means he must have had quite a house large enough that the church could come together so whether this took place in his home or someone else's homes that they would gather in at different times um, when they would come together to do church they would often include what we would probably call a fellowship meal um, where you would come together, you would share in a meal together. Um, they would share in, you know, in in scripture for them. That would be Old Testament scripture, and um, and they would share in prayer and communion. 
So what was happening in these environments that had Paul so upset was you had um, in this group, you had wealthy people and you had very poor people. And when they were coming together for this fellowship dinner, what they were forgetting was the fellowship aspect to it. Now, many of you have probably been involved in potluck dinners before, and this is how a potluck works. You know this probably from experience. You bring food with you to the meal and you let it be shared amongst everybody. That's not what they were doing. They were bringing their food to the service and eating it themselves without sharing with others. And by doing this, they were putting those who were poor in an incredibly awkward position. First of all, they could not afford to bring a meal in this way, so it embarrassed them. And on top of it, they were being excluded um, because the wealthy were not sharing with them. Um, So the poor were not only left hungry, um, they were humiliated. And Paul was furious about this. Um, and he tells them, he reminds, he reminds the church that, look, when I was with you, when I showed you how to do communion, when I showed you how to come together as a body, as a church, he said, I shared with you. This is not the way that it's supposed to go about. So he goes from that uh, passage into um, the next that we get kind of a, a, an a detailed explanation of how Paul saw communion and how it should be practiced. So again, in verses 23 and 24, he tells them that he was with them in the beginning and showed them how to do this. It seemingly they had forgotten it, but he had showed them. And then he goes on to talk about Christ and the night that he was betrayed, what he did. And the first thing it says is he gave thanks. Now, just for a second, let's chase a squirrel. A fancy name for communion that's used in, in kind of a kind of a high church type of setting is Eucharist. Um, that's that's not one that we we use. That's not a term we use very often. But it is it is a pretty accurate one, um, and it isn't a bad it isn't a bad terminology for it. Um, Eucharist comes from the Greek verb eucharisteo, and what it means is this: thank you. And that's the interesting thing. When you look at verse twenty four, you see what Jesus does. He says he had taken the bread in verse twenty four. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." So um, it began with thanksgiving. Our communion should always begin with that, with thankfulness to God for what He's done for us. Okay, and then Jesus follows that with this: "Do this in remembrance of me." This is something we need to understand in the biblical sense. Remembrance is more than just a mental exercise. That's what we think of when we think of remembering something. But in a biblical sense, it is more than that. It involves the realization of what is remembered. Uh, to, To give you an example of this, in the Passover feast amongst Jews, when they would share in the Passover, it was more than remembering their Exodus ancestors, those who practiced the very first Passover, who Moses led out of Egypt. Um, the Jews would would become, in a spiritual sense, one with their Exodus ancestors. So bring that into communion. Communion is experienced in the very real presence of Christ. That's something that we need to understand and something that speaks to the significance and the importance of it. Um, Christ is with us when we share in communion. Now, he's not with us in a physical sense. He will be again one day. Um, He spoke about that. He says, I will not share in this with you again until I do it in my Father's kingdom. He was referring to the end of the age. Um, 
but he is sharing in a spiritual sense, and that's something we need to understand. Now, Jesus goes from there into verse 25, um, and he talks about that this blood is a, this, this, what he's going to establish is a new covenant in his blood, meaning he takes the cup, the wine, and he refers his, to his blood through it. And what Jesus is, knows that his disciples should know this, but they don't know it yet, that Jesus is about to ratify the new covenant by his death. And this was predicted in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, if you want to take a look at that. Another thing we need to see about communion, verse 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is a visible proclamation of Jesus' death. Okay? And we do this until he comes. Um, you see, communion is a memorial act, remembering what Jesus did, knowing that Jesus is in our presence as we remember that, and then also understanding that, that communion is also an act of anticipation knowing that Jesus is coming to take his people home. So, Jesus does all of this to show the the Corinthians how important communion is. And this is what he says. He says, do not take, in verses 27 and 28, he says, "Don't, don't do this in an unworthy manner. This is well, the very first instance in Christian writing where we see kind of a fencing of, of the Lord's table. In other words, if you're not in the right place, don't do this at this time. Um, and Paul says to make sure you are in a right place, he says examine, examine yourself. Find out if where you are that day in that time is genuine. Um, the context of this goes into this. Um, Paul is very upset with them because they are not living and acting in love with their brothers and sisters in Christ. So I really think probably this examination that we're told to do when we take the Lord's Supper, when we when we take part in communion, is to very, very openly and honestly with ourselves look at the way in which we are treating our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as our neighbors in the world. There were some in Corinth who were not treating um, we're not treating their, first of all, brothers and sisters in Christ in love. And my goodness, this was not a good thing. They were doing communion in an unworthy manner. They were taking communion in an unworthy manner. And there are consequences to that. Man, just look at verses 30 through 32. Sounds kind of foreign to us that there would be physical consequences to a spiritual condition, but it was not strange at all to early Christians, okay? Something to remember about about consequences to sin and consequences to sinfulness. Um, The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And when it comes to the family of Christ, we need to remember that, all right? Hebrews 12, 5 through 7 speaks to that very specifically. And as a matter of fact, the larger context speaks to it even more. So Paul wraps this whole thing up with this, telling his, his, his family in Christ there in Corinth, look, when you come together, share with one another. This is fellowship. You are together in this, and you need to lean upon each other, and you need to share with one another. If you're too hungry to wait um, till everybody gets there so you can share together in this meal, eat at home first, all right? (laughs) He gets really, really practical with him. Um, And he wanted to make sure that the people in Corinth understood, and us today as well, that church should be a true gathering of fellowship, of koinonia, where we lean upon each other in Christ. 
So, um, pretty long passage of scripture. I appreciate your patience. Um, we will meet again tonight. Um, again, it's April 6th. Tonight at 7 o'clock, we'll have class. It'll be pre- preceded by, there you go, a fellowship meal. Although it's not a potluck, you can just come share. Um, at 6 o'clock, there will be classes for all ages to follow. Um, and we'd absolutely love to have you tonight. Uh, have a good afternoon.